Hello and welcome to episode 5 of the Bucket List Gamers downloadable content. I am Jay and I'm once again joined by Eddie. Hello. And for this special episode we are going to be looking at gaming rumours and hoaxes. So there's been quite a few throughout the years. I won't go into any now because the format we've devised is similar to uh, BBC One's hit show, Would I Lie to You? I'm going to read out some potential hoaxes, potential cheats, and Eddie's going to decide whether they were actual real in-game cheats or Easter eggs or whether either they were massive hoaxes that took everyone by surprise back in the day or whether I've literally just made them up. We'll see how we get on. How's your knowledge on video game hoaxes? There were a couple that used to get banded around the school uh, schoolyard when I was younger, so I'm hoping one of those turns up. And I have heard of a few out, rather outlandish things about certain games that have ultimately turned out to be true, or that have been patched in by the developer to sort of support the rumours that were going round. So, we shall see. We don't know how long we're going to get out of this, so save her every minute, because I've got quite a few, but I have a feeling we're going to whip through them fairly quickly. So this might not be the longest episode on, on record, but hopefully it's a fun one. I will kick off by starting off with a really easy one for you. Pokemon Red and Blue is the game for Game Boy, and I'm sure you know where I'm going with this, but the rumour was, or the, the cheat was, that by moving the truck near the SSN by using a Pokemon with strength, you can find a Mew hiding underneath it. So for context, Mew could only be got by going to certain events around the world and downloading it onto your cartridge, couldn't it? So incredibly difficult to get. I know later in in its lifespan, you could get it from Pokemon Stadium, although it wasn't a real Mew in inverted commas. But yeah, this this rumour did the, the rounds in the playgrounds. I remember it going around. So was it a rumour or... Did this method actually yield a Mew? So, I know for a fact that this is a a complete hoax because I was one of those kids in the schoolyard that got <laughs> lulled into a false sense of security with, oh, I can get this amazing mythical Pokemon by going down to the SSN and pushing this truck out of the way. And I tried it so many different ways. <laughs> I tried going down once I'd completed the game. I... At one point, I remember deleting my save file. Oh, no. Transferring in a Pokemon with strength into my new save file. And while the SSN was still in port, because obviously once you go through and beat the SSN and it sails off, you then can't access it anymore. So I went back and I did it. Before I completed the SSN, I went across... And I did the thing with the truck and I still didn't get my sodding Mew and I was so annoyed. On the other hand, though, there is an actual glitch for Mew in the game and it's a fly glitch. I think you have to cross the Nugget Bridge outside Cerulean City and as you get to the last trainer, you pause it. So you step forward and before the little and the arrow appears above his head when he's going to challenge you to a battle you pause and fly back to Cerulean mm. City and then you walk back up Nugget Bridge and he's he doesn't challenge you He's it's glitched the NPC essentially and then you can go into the grass and you can find Mew Oh, I don't know that. Does it corrupt your game, like missing though? No. Or is it just a genuine, you can get Mew? It's a genuine, you can get Mew. And missing no only glitched if you tried boxing the Pokemon, missing no the Pokemon. Because if right. you kept giving it rare candies, because you could do the rare candy glitch by catching missing no, if you got, because I think you caught missing no at level 126 or something along those lines anyway. And if you maxed out its level, it got to level 256 and it resets back to zero. Right. And when it resets back to zero, it resets itself to the last Pokemon that you saw in the wild. Right. Okay. At level zero. It just becomes a level zero one of them. Because I've yeah. seen people completely corrupt their game with missing no. So I never bothered doing it. 
but I know a few people who did and it didn't end well for them. So yeah, I suppose, yeah, that is a hoax. You are correct. Although not 100% hoax, if there is a way to actually get Mew, it's just the SSM truck isn't the way forward. So yeah, tick, one one point to Eddie. Right, next one. Banjo-Kazooie on the N64. By beating a number of minigames in Banjo-Kazooie, you can unlock a code that turns a titular character into a washing machine. Knowing Rare, <laughs> and they are they are buggers for cheat codes, and they are buggers for hidden little things in their game. I'm going to say it's true that they put this sort of thing into their game. Yeah, it is. It's the last one you unlock, and I think the code is something like wishy-washy or something, and you go into that temple with all the stones, and you spell it out, and it turns you into a washing machine. Why? <laughs> I don't know, but there you go. As you said, it's rare, isn't it? That's that's explanation enough for that one. <laughs> yeah. Right, next <sighs> one. GTA San Andreas on the PS2. If you go out into a wooded area in San Andreas and walk around just as the sun is coming up, you may encounter a Bigfoot that is incredibly difficult to kill. Again, this is one I've heard of, and I know that it's false because they put a reference to it in GTA... Sorry, it's um, Red Dead Redemption. There's a Bigfoot in Red Dead Redemption that you can confront and you it, it complains that humans are always trying to kill it and <laughs> they don't understand the difficulty of being a Bigfoot because it understands human speech for some reason. Uh, so yeah, it's it's a hoax one, but they did nod their, or take their cap off to it and refer to it in Red Dead Redemption. It is indeed a hoax, yes. So next one, Super Mario 64 on the N64. By pressing start and A, just as you land on the Chain Chomp stump, you could skip the cutscene and jump on top of him, riding him to the top of the hill where King Bobom was. Hmm. I'm going to say that's false, because I know if you butt bounce on the stump, it hammers it into the floor and the Chain Chomp breaks loose. Yeah, and it does a little cutscene. But cut I'll, scene. Say, I'll say it's a hoax. He smashes through the bars, doesn't he? In like a cutscene, yeah. so that's how you get that star. Yeah, it is a hoax. That was one I made up. Good good spot on that one. <laughs> Very good one, though. Metroid on the NES. If you hold up, turbo, and steel on the start as the game is booting in, Samus will appear in a bikini, and you can play the rest of the game as her in a bikini rather than the Samus suit. Oh, I know you get that. If you get 100% game completion. So if you get all the items, all the health upgrades and stuff like that, you get the ending cutscene where it turns out that she's a woman, which probably mortified hundreds of male gamers <laughs> back in the day when they thought they'd been playing as a male bounty hunter for six hours. Um, I, I'm going to say that that is probably true. Yeah, it is. It, I mean, it's nothing to look at. I watched a video of it just to no. corroborate the fact and yeah, it just looks like a really angular woman with a red like top and bottoms on. But yeah, it is true. If you press that combination, I believe as it's loading the level up, you know, and she phases in. Uh, if you right. hold it on there, her suit disappears, and then you get to play the rest of it as her in a bikini, oh. if that's your thing. Next up, Minecraft on God knows every platform going. When playing Minecraft, you can randomly encounter a human called Herobrine, a tribute to Notch's brother who passed away. Herobrine would cause chaos, then disappear. The problem is, I've seen reference to this, and I've seen like YouTube videos referencing it, and I can never remember the outcome of the videos because... A load of them make out like he's Slenderman, basically. He's like this mythical figure that doesn't actually appear. And he's just sort of a a, a boogeyman that um, Minecraft players have to put up with. But then there's others that claim to have adamantly seen him. Um, so I'm going to say it's true. No, it, it was a creepypasta ah. that, that took a life of its own. People have like mocked it up and stuff and done videos where it Essentially, you keep spotting him in the distance and he gets closer and closer when you're not looking. And then he goes in and like trashes houses and sets them on fire and stuff like that and then disappears. But yeah, complete hoax. It was uh, just just those uh, those creepy pasta wallers coming up with that one. <laughs> and it's a good one as they go. I do like a good creepy pasta, and that is uh, a bit of a weird one. So I don't mind that. Hitman 3 
on, I believe, PS3 and probably a couple of other consoles as well. If Agent 47 takes a picture of some UFO graffiti at the start of the level and then completes the mission of normal, instead of going to one of the marked exits, you can go to a telephone booth and dial 1993 and he gets beamed up by aliens at the end of the level. Mm. I'm going to say that's true, because I know there's a lot of weird stuff that you can do (laughs) in Hitman games. I think in the latest one, where they're all sort of episodic, um, there's a level in sort of like an Italian Riviera sort of thing, and you can climb to the top of this bell tower on this church. And if you aim out to sea with a sniper rifle and shoot a bell that's on an old galleon sort of thing in the bay, it rings the bell and a kraken comes up and pulls the ship (laughs) down. Uh, So I'm going to say it's true. It is. It is indeed true. And they reckon the 1993 bit of it is in reference to the X-Files, because that's the year that the X-Files first started on TV. So I don't think that's ever been confirmed, but that's what most people are going with, and it would make sense, wouldn't it? So, yeah, that one's completely true. I mean, how people find these things out is beyond me. Like, how did they actually know to take that picture, to dial that specific number rather than leave it? It it baffles me. It really does. I think some of these, they must get a tip-off from the developers, and then they leak it out afterwards. So the next one. Wave Race Blue Storm, which I believe was N64. Is it not GameCube? It may have been GameCube, because it's a sequel, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it it will be GameCube, actually, based on the uh, the little secret. So, by holding Z on the audio setting screen, then hitting up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, A, X, Z, you can choose to change the commentary into a bloke that basically insults you the whole race instead of gets really excited about it. (laughs) Now, this I know is true because I've seen it in videos. (laughs) I've seen it in YouTube videos where, um, yeah, where he literally just (laughs) spends the race just lambasting you for being absolutely atrocious at your... Even when you do really good stunts, he's just like, well, that wasn't very impressive, was it? (laughs) Yeah, it is. It's true. And amazingly, I think it took them nearly 10 years to find. It It wow. didn't get discovered until 2010, that cheat. So it had been out for so long and, and nobody had found it. And I'm not sure if it, it wasn't actually the developers that went, oh, did you know you can do this? And then everyone went and did it. I'm assuming the code, the button input is sort of referenced to, is it Sonic? The up, down, up, yeah. down, left, right, left, right, BA, start, and then you get your mm. cheats menu. Yeah, because it's not the Konami code, is it? It's uh, no. up, 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 down, down, left, right, left, right. It's definitely Sonic. Yeah. Mortal Kombat 1, I assume Mega Drive and SNES. By beating every fighter in the tournament with a double flawless, you could unlock a fighter called Ermac, who was a red palette swap of Scorpion. Hmm. Now you see, that sounds like it's believable because I know what fighting games put in behind the curtain sort of thing, and they'll they'll do it because they what they know how psychotic the fan base are when it comes to I I can I can beat this game with a double flawless victory sort of thing, and they will do it to push fans. So I'm going to say that that's true. No, so that is false. Ah. Um, there is also another rumor that so they were clay, there was a claim that it was when the game glitched out it would actually be trying to put in the the like name bar error macro and it was allegedly a glitch that turned scorpion's outfit red but that is also a hoax that also never happened it's just all completely made up but the mortal kombat developers saw how like into it everyone had got and i think it's by mortal kombat 3 ermac is a playable character in a red scorpion outfit and he's been Uh. in all the games since so they did introduce him as part of how much like the uh the bigfoot one in san andreas they saw that everyone was going mad for it and they put it in there and i I seem to recall there was a similar rumor for mortal kombat 2 because you know the guy that pops up on the screen and shouts tasty and stuff every so often yeah there was the there was the rumor when I was a kid going around that he was reptile, 
which was a green palette swap of Scorpion and Sub-Zero. And I think Reptile was a thing already. It wasn't like it was a compl- like Ermac was a completely new thing. I think Reptile was part of the Mortal Kombat mythos, but he just wasn't in any of the games. And, and people claimed that if you got that thing to pop up, and I think there was something to do with about the moon, something to do with the moon and getting a, a double flawless when the moon was full on one of the certain stages, you could unlock Reptile, and it all ended up being a load of rubbish in the end. But again, Reptile ended up being in three, I think it was. So they they just ended up with a massive group of palette swaps of Scorpion for, I think there was Scorpion, Sub-Zero, Ermac, Reptile, and was it that one that was like Smoke? I can't remember his name, but he could turn into Smoke and disappear, and he was like a black palette swap. Right. I think his name was Smoke Backwards. It's not like they were massively inventive with the, some of the Mortal Kombat characters. <laughs> so yeah, that one is a lie, unfortunately, but it has been given a tip of the hat, as you say, in later games. So the next one, Tomb Raider 1 for PC and probably PlayStation. And So if you take one step forward, one step backwards, turn around three times and jump forwards or backwards, Lara's clothes will disappear. I'm going to say this is false because this is probably something that young lads across the world tried, and there was that those convincing playground rumors of if you pressed her up against a wall while you were shimmying, <laughs> it it glitched inside her sort of thing. So basically, you could see under her clothes, and it was never proved to be true. So I'm going to say it's false. It is indeed false, yeah. That never it was a, a prevalent rumour that one. I remember that one and I remember probably trying it on that demo I had and it didn't work. Again, but like we said in the Tomb Raider episode, who was who was gonna enjoy that if it did yeah. work? I honestly don't know. Uh so Tomb Raider two, by taking one step forward, one step backwards, turning around three times and jumping forwards or backwards, Lara Croft would explode. I'm gonna say that this is true based on the developers Obviously, developers get to know, even back then, they'd have got to know the rumours that were going round about certain things in the game. And they thought, you know what? We'll do it. We will put this in the game so that when someone tries to see a naked Lara Croft, they just blow her into chunks. So, yes, I'll say it's true. Yeah, it's exactly that. They caught wind of it, so they put it into the second game. I think they even put out, like not a press release, but I think they put word out that they'd heard the feedback from one and incorporated this naked Lara cheat. And then when people tried to do it, they just got got eviscerated. <laughs> and I was thinking, what if you genuinely at some point did do that set of manoeuvres without <laughs> knowing about that cheat and it just explodes? But why you'd turn around three times, I don't know. But I bet there was at least one person out there that was just playing it normally and then Lara exploded. And I'm like, what the hell caused that? <laughs> yeah. Here we go. Skyrim for everything. There are a number of chickens in Skyrim dotted around the various villages. If you attack ten of them, multiple chickens will attack you in homage to the Zelda games. I would say that that's true. No, I made that one up. That'd be nice. I'm pretty sure if you attack the chickens in the first, is it river something, the first place you get to, if you attack the chickens there, because I shot one with a fireball by accident once, uh, all the villagers attack you and turn on you for attacking the chickens. So it sort of is there a little bit, but not not quite in the way I'd, uh, I'd put it there. Borderlands 2 for various platforms. In Borderlands 2, when exploring a certain set of caves, there are some pixelated blocks of dirt. Smash through them and you'll find a room full of creepers with Minecraft-themed loot. Hmm. Now, the developers of Borderlands are nothing if not irreverent. And they do like to put a lot of pop culture references and tip of the hats and just quirky asides. And I think they carve it into the bloody design document with a Stanley knife that everything has to be quirky. So I'll say that that's a, a, a true one. It is true. Yeah, it is. I mean, I don't know what the license in because I saw a picture of it and it is it's not like it's a it could be a creeper. It is a full on Minecraft creeper. creeper. So I assume they got some sort of agreement in there with with Notch or Microsoft, depending on who it was at the time, and got the permission to do that. But yeah, that's a pretty cool one. I don't know what the Minecraft theme loot is, but I bet that's pretty cool as well. So I might have, I've got Borderlands 2 somewhere. I might have to have a look at that one. <laughs> right, next one. 
Back to Super Mario 64 on the N64. By collecting all 2,041 coins in the game, you can unlock Luigi. No, I don't think you can, because <laughs> I think he they patched him in into the DS version as a sort of a nod to that rumour. And similar with that there was a rumour that Yoshi was in, but if you go on the roof, he is there, but you can't play Do as anything. him. He's yeah, just yeah. there. Yeah, correct. It wasn't. It was. Uh, everyone assumed that he should be in there, and then to fuel the fire, there's that statue in the courtyard with the star on top of it. And if you really, really squint and use your imagination, you can almost make out that it says "L is real two o four one." So people just went, "Oh, there's two hundred uh, two thousand and forty one coins in the game. If you collect them all, you'll get Luigi." And I think they proved. Disproved it fairly quickly because somebody looked at the game files and there was no Luigi sprite in there. But they also found that there was a Yoshi one, so then that kicked off all the rumours about Yoshi instead. Uh, and it turns out he's just stood on the roof like an idiot. Like you, <laughs> you can't ride him, you can't. You can talk to him, I think that's about it. So, yep, correct on that one. So this one's a bit weird. Super Monaco GP, I don't know what platform it's for, but looking at it, it looked like it was SNES or Mega Drive. By pressing A, B, and C after winning a race, your driver will appear on the podium holding his own severed head aloft like a trophy. Um. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say that that's true. It is absolutely true, and it is also absolutely <laughs> terrifying. I watched a video, because I read that, and I was like, there's no way that can be true. So I, I watched a video of it, and it's horrible because it's not animated; it's real people. It's like actual, like you know, like a, a photo of someone that's been animated. And yeah, there's no head on his neck, and then it's above his head in his hands, and he's like waving it round, like like Al Snow used to in WWE. <laughs> so yeah, if, if go and look that one up, but that that strikes me as bizarre because I bet there were a lot of kids. That accidentally yeah. pressed A, B, and C after winning a race, and then all of a sudden there's this headless driver there, <laughs> just absolutely <laughs> terrifying them. Also, as a side note, in Super Monaco GP, if you time it right, you can run over the bloke waving the flag at the finish line. <laughs> Brilliant. And there's full animation of him uh... getting mown down. So there's obviously a bit of humour went into that one. If that's the kind of thing you like. Right. Oh, GoldenEye for the N64, your favourite. By unlocking all 23 cheats in the game legitimately, so not using the tap-in codes that came out years and years later, a 24th cheat would unlock, allowing you to switch from Piers Brosnan to any of the other previous Bonds. Which, when you think about it, would be pointless if it is true, because you don't see your own character 99% of the game so it would be a lot of effort if it is true, I won't reveal if it is or not but it would be a lot of effort to go to for like a couple of seconds per cutscene. I mean some of the natural unlocks for requirements for GoldenEye are ridiculous I can't even do the first one, I tried to do the one on, on Dam the other day and I, I can't do that so there's no way I would be getting the later ones I used to get two, I used to get Paintball mode, because it was easy, and DK mode, and they were the only two cheats I could ever unlock. I'm going to say false. It is. It's a lie. But it, was, it wasn't It was one I've made up. It genuinely was something that went around the playgrounds back in the day. And yeah, kids feverishly trying to unlock all those cheats that were near impossible, just so they could play Sean Connery. And <laughs> it never happened. And not seeing any difference. Stuck with Piers Brosnan, unfortunately, unless you get the terrible remake where you can be Daniel Craig. Right, next one. Symphony of the Night, our old favourite Castlevania. Putting the game disc in a CD player and skipping to track two would play a message from Alucard and a remix of the Castlevania theme that isn't used in the game. Again, Konami. The bloody weird. Um, yes, I'm going to say I'm going to say true. It is. I don't know what the message is because I couldn't find a clip of it, but it is 100% true. Yeah, a little message from Alucard and then you can listen to the tune remixed. I mean, it is a good <laughs> tune. 
Right, Sonic CD initially for PC and Saturn, I believe, and now ported over to a few other platforms in in the lovely Origins collection that I'm still not mad about. By unlocking all the Chaos Emeralds and beating the game without transforming into Super Sonic, you could then select to play as Metal Sonic or Amy Rose at the title screen. Ooh. I'm going to say that's false, because I get the feeling you can't complete the game without transforming into Super Sonic. It is false. You can beat the game without being supersonic, though. Yeah, because yeah. I, I never achieved it and I finished the game. But no, it's not true. You couldn't play as Amy Rose until the... Ooh. Well, you could play as her in, in those horrible... Well, they're not horrible. I like them, but most people don't. Dreamcast games. But I think the first 2D platformer where you could play as Amy was probably Sonic Advance. I think she was oh, a playable okay. character in one of those. And then in the Origins collection... If you pay extra for the stuff that you've already paid for, you can play as Amy Rose in Sonic CD. Right, last one. And I've ended on a good one. You'll have to bear with me when I read this one out. (laughs) So when I tell you the game, you'll probably know why you have to bear with me. Duke Nukem 3D on the PC. (laughs) Right. By interacting with strippers in a club in the first level, you can make them flash their breasts by throwing money at them. However, by entering the code Shake It Baby in the console, they would actually remove all their clothes, revealing their t- in all its pixelated glory. <laughs> um, well, in a game that has, it doesn't have a health meter; it has an ego meter and stuff like that, and you can pick up handfuls of shit and throw it at people um i'm gonna say that's true no it's false i made that one up it it was one of my favorite games back in the day though it it, had that been in it it wouldn't have been out of place so i can see why you went went with true on that one because yeah duke nukem not adverse to the odd controversial aspects shall we say (laughs) and that that would have been more controversial than than most but yeah. no, I uh, I conjured that one up. So yeah, that that was quite a nice little list. There's some in there that I, the headless GP racer is genuinely one of the weirdest things I've ever seen. I wish I had the video on hand now to show you because I'd love to get your reaction to it. Let me see if it's. I I think I did it on my PC, so I won't be able to find it. But yeah, it was. Oh, it was horrible. I watched it and I was like, no, this can't. This this is a lie. Somebody's lying about this being real. But no, it's in there and it is horrible. Well, while you're looking for that, there is an old, another um, urban legend around Pokemon. So particularly red, blue and yellow. And it was called Lavender Town Syndrome. And everyone thought it was one of those urban legends that it, it wasn't true. It was It was just something someone had made up. And it comes from um, the music in Lavender Town. So Lavender Town is obviously where the Pokemon Tower is, where the graveyard of trainers, Pokemons who have passed away. And the I think they've tried to go for ethereal or slightly spooky in Lavender Town's soundtrack. However, with it being a bleep bloop 32-bit or sub-32-bit game engine, the sound isn't particularly great. And the rumour was that it was, the if you listened to it for long enough, the music in Lavender Town was enough to drive you to suicide. Because it was quite depressing, it was quite melancholic, but it was also, the pitch as well was quite high. So it was it was abnormally high frequencies, and apparently it drove people to suicide. And this was a sort of rumour that got banded around, and everyone was like, oh no, it's not true. But apparently... There was an uptick in suicides among people mm. who had played Pokemon, particularly around the point that they got to Lavender Town and listened to the music. Yes, because of, and they ended up having to patch the music for Lavender Town in the UK and US releases to lower the frequency because of how much it had triggered people. I mean, it's horrible music anyway. It is yeah. really unsettling music, and I know I've watched a few again creepy pastas where they've used Lavender Town as the basis for this 
weird story or a game that knows who you are and stuff like that, I think was one of the variations. You get to Lavender Town and it starts pulling files out of your computer or it knows stuff about you. And, and yeah, but the music itself just sets the scene for that perfectly because it is very stilted and and jangly, isn't it? And up and down. And it, yeah, you never really feel ease in that that area of the game, which no. you're not meant to, but it was a bit much for a kid's game, especially when you go into the tower and is it until you've got the spectroscope or something, you don't see Pokemon, do you? You just see like a ghostly apparition that then beats yeah. the crap out of you or something. It's a very creepy place, is Lavender Town, and I can understand why that music, if you weren't in the right frame of mind, could offset you a little bit. But anyway, do you want to see a, a racing driver without a head? Yeah. Let me see. Can you see that? Yeah. Oh my god! What the hell is that? It's not right, is it? <laughs> no. Oh, and they're there as well. If you just keep watching, you'll see him clear out the flag man. Watch. Bang. Brilliant. <laughs> so, yeah, what a bizarre little game that one was to, to put things like that. You wouldn't get away with that these days, would you? I wonder why they've not remade it. <laughs> Imagine oh. if you're playing Mario Kart and there's just like a toad on the finish line. You could just absolutely clean him out. It just And then it cuts to the podium and Bowser's there with his own severed head, waving it about like a trophy. Oh. It just wouldn't oh. happen. But yeah, that's that's one for hoaxes and and rumors. So yeah, the the Lavender Town one wasn't really a hoax, was it? I suppose it was a it was actual numbers and stuff behind it. Which yeah. I think there was another. There was a hoax about Lavender Town though, where you could wasn't there something to do with when you could go up the tower and you'd find a different Pokemon at the top of it if you did. Because normally, is it Haunter or Gengar or someone that you find at the top of the tower? It's Marowak. It's um, Cubone's murdered mother. And further down, the ghosts turn into haunters and ghastlies and stuff, don't they, I think? But yeah, there was a rumour that if you did a certain thing, when you got to the top of the tower, it was like a different ghost Pokemon that wasn't meant to be in that game, and you could find and catch that. Um, Obviously, a load of tosh. But as impressionable kids, we like you say, with the Mew and the truck, you'd spend hours trying to... If you heard it once from someone, you just think, oh, yeah, that that's potentially true. And I, I remember distinctly there being cheats published in... So I used to get a comic called Sonic the Comic. I don't know if you remember this. And it was a Sonic comic that had like stories and tales at his own spin-off and Decap Attack for some reason had its own story in there and Shinobi and all those kind of things. And they had a page that I used to look forward to every week that was all cheats for various games. And all the, I could guarantee there'd be one Game Gear cheat in there and like 20 Mega Drive ones every week. So it had to be a game that I owned and a game that I wanted to cheat at. And very rarely did I get lucky. But there were a lot of cheats got published in that that weren't even real cheats, that legitimately <laughs> didn't work. But the team obviously weren't checking them and just going, oh, this is a good one. Bang, stick it in the magazine. So there were quite a few where I spent hours trying to get these cheats to trigger, and it turns out it was just some idiot having a laugh that had sent it into the magazine <laughs> and they'd published it. But you don't get cheats in games these days, do you? Not really. Not not fun ones like they used to be. No. I mean, like, the paintball mode and big head mode and stuff, they've all gone the way of the dinosaur, aren't they? You just don't see them in games anymore. And fun little cheats like that, I used to love them, and... and like hidden tapping codes for level selects and all that kind of thing and god mode i don't know why they've moved away from that i suppose it's the achievement aspect of it isn't it on xbox and playstation but then i'm sure they can disable achievements if you use cheats they've done that in other games so i don't get why more don't have fun little cheats and i think gta still puts the odd fun one in doesn't it yeah i can't think of many more I'm assuming it's partially the online element as well, because a lot of games have moved to online multiplayers mm. or online multiplayer aspects. And if you can cause glitches or cause cheats to occur in a game that has a an online multiplayer capacity, it, it breaks the game. 
essentially it makes it unfair for other players. So I sort of get why they've done it. I think one of the last ones I played that had cheats sort of built in and nice little nods and funny things, it was Time Splitters. Um, yeah. And that is going back a while, sort of like um, Future Perfect on the GameCube and the Xbox One, I think, the original Xbox. Um, that had loads of sort of typing codes where you got DK mode or you got midget mode and you were tiny mm. little sprites on the screen. Um, monkey mode where you literally ran around with guns and you were followed by monkeys that were wielding dual Uzis. And it was loads of fun little... Uh, type-ins or unlocks that you could do. But yeah, it does seem to have just been a thing that gaming companies don't want to do anymore. One of the uh, actual real ones that I didn't put in the list in the end, I think it was, do you remember Rise of the Triad? Which is a 3D Realms game. There was a cheat, I think if you type woof into the console, it turns you into a dog with swords and guns. But this was a thing that was in the game. You could get a pickup that turned you into a dog for 30 seconds. So it wasn't like it was a complete cheat. It just let you use that mode indefinitely. So that's why I didn't include it, because it was less interesting once I found that out. But yeah, that stuff like that, you just don't you don't get. And I'd love it for some indie devs to start putting tapping cheats or or those kind of... Like the, the big head mode and stuff, it doesn't really affect the game. It just makes it look weird or like new outfits and stuff. And when you used to get changes of outfits in Resi 2 and stuff... They don't influence the game, but they're just a nice little nod, aren't they? And I know they did it in Resident Evil 4. If you paid for them, you could get those different variations of characters with the pre-order bonus, wasn't it? But yeah, it's, it just seems to have disappeared now. And I used to like DK mode, and um, you won't be able to call it midget mode now. You'd have to come up with a new name for it, I expect. But yeah, the ones where everyone's really small, because that sort of added a bit more challenge to it, because the targets you were aiming yeah. for were all tiny. So it did extend gameplay, and I suppose in this day and age, you don't need to extend gameplay as much, because games are meant to be massive anyway. Whereas back then, when you got GoldenEye, that you could finish in like a day or a few hours sticking cheats in like that where you had to do something incredibly difficult to achieve it and then when you applied it it changed the game up a bit with bigger heads or better weapons or whatever but even then it was it locked you off progression didn't it if you activated cheats yeah even if they were rubbish cheats like paintball that didn't do anything if you activated that you couldn't unlock any more levels you had to do everything first so yeah even then they were implementing it which they're not doing now. But no, there's some good old games with some good old cheats and Easter eggs, because some of them were Easter eggs. I was going to do the one about GTA, but I think everyone knows it now, where you go into the Statue of Liberty and there's a big heart chained up in there. But I'm like, who doesn't know that one? So I left that one out. I really enjoyed that, though. Yeah, it was good. Um, I think the cool outfits thing and the changing outfits has always been something I've liked. Particularly it, particularly if it's referencing other games in the series or other games from the same developer, that sort of thing. And I think now we've moved away to, from that to cosmetics. Mm. And cosmetics aren't outfits. It is something they can shove in a loot box and you can unlock this, potentially unlock, I don't know, a pink belt buckle for some <laughs> random character that you never use that doesn't change the aesthetics very much or that is so small on screen that it doesn't matter for anything. Whereas a cool outfit, like, I don't know, you dress up a character like Earthworm Jim or something, that's fun, that's cool, that's something that people can spot at a distance. Like a pink knee pad or a beige armband for a character <laughs> that you use in a fighting game maybe once because you have to to unlock something else. It's just it's just something else that they can pile into a loot box and drill you for money for. And I, I think gaming needs to learn a lesson and just loot boxes are not welcome as part of gaming um, unless they are part of the, the game's infrastructure and you get... There's a finite amount of items you can get from them. And once you unlock it, you never open that a box and find that item again. Yeah. And it it's free. It's part of the game. Like the shells in Zelda with the little trophies that you could make out of it. That's fun. That is a side quest that you can do at your own leisure and doesn't cost you an extra 200, 300, 400 pounds <laughs> to complete the collection. Nintendo, don't take 
bloody financial advice from me and start <laughs> charging for shells in games for the love of god but yeah no i do miss those days i think as well it just to go off on a slight tangent before we finish wrestling games in particular so i've played wrestling games going back to mega drive probably but they started getting good playstation n64 era and the thing i always loved about the earlier ones is you'd start off with a roster of maybe i don't know 15 wrestlers but there's about 30 in the game and to unlock the other wrestlers you'd play career mode and they'd come out and challenge you and then if you beat them you unlock them and it makes sense that's how a good way to do it because you don't know what's coming if you haven't studied the roster online beforehand you're playing a game and then all of a sudden somebody comes out you don't think is in the game and challenges you and you get to unlock them and that i love that idea and recently that seems to have dropped off and that doesn't happen anymore. You just get all the roster unlocked as you start or they randomly unlock when you get an achievement or you can buy them in a little shop eventually if you collect enough in-game credits. Uh, that's how it worked on the AEW one, which was a little bit better, but not, not like it used to be. Because I remember one of them, I think it was WWE 13, so we're going back 10 years now. I went to, I got invited to a pre-event to like play it before it came out and we got to go down to London and see the show, meet a few of the wrestlers and play the game early and talk to the people who designed it and all that business. And when you went in to this, the O2 lounge, they just got loads of consoles set up and you could just go up and start playing on them. So I went straight over to an Xbox One because that was the, the console choice at the time for me, started what they were brand what they termed universe mode, which has now become a huge thing in the game. But I think this was the first or second year they'd introduced it. And I don't know if they'd set this up to happen every time somebody started universe mode. So you got a flavor of it or whether I just got lucky, but I, I started it and you get thrown into a match and I played this match and I won it. And then as your wrestlers doing the little leaving animation of climbing out of the ring, Brock Lesnar's music comes on. And he walks out from the back and comes down to the ring and just beats the crap out of you. And then it ends with him like stood over you. And then for the next couple of weeks, you're in matches with him building up to like a, a pay-per-view match. And I was proper blown away by that. I was like, that's exactly how new characters should be introduced. Because he wasn't in the roster to pick from before that. And once you finish that little arc, he was there and you could select him. And I didn't even know he was in the game. So to hear that music come on when you think you've just finished a match it was amazing and they've just moved so far away from that now like the last time they did anything remotely close to it a couple of years back they did like a alternate universe mode where you're in a cyberpunk future and the the wrestlers were all from different tribes and you had to battle it out and if you beat certain people you got their cyberpunk attire that you could then use in the regular game so you were sort of unlocking things but it wasn't the full thrill of oh, i didn't even know this person was in the game and now I've, I've unlocked them and it tends to be these days that they just do downloadable packs every so often and that's how you get new characters and again it's just to sell you more stuff rather than and the, the the rosters are so big these days i mean they used to do it when they had like a 30 man roster they'd lock half of it and now they've got like a 70 80 man roster so they could easily lock away 20 or 30 of them and have them come in during one of the storyline modes to unlock and it'd be much easier to do but they just don't do it anymore and they even go as far as to sell a thing called an accelerator which just unlocks everything in the game for you without you even having to try and I don't think it did it this year, but in previous years, because I always buy the special edition, the accelerator comes in with it and it just auto-installs. So it just does it, yeah. and then everything's unlocked for me as soon as I start playing. And I'm like, no, what? what is the point in me playing it now? Yeah. So yeah, I, I don't like the way things are going, but this has gone from a nice little fun fun episode about hoaxes and, and cheats to us ranting about loot boxes, which... Seems to be our natural conclusion for most most video most recordings. I mean, I will I will defend one thing and sort of end it on a high note. I mean, there is a caveat with it in that this game also does something similar, as in it has DLC character packs. But Smash Brothers does that whole introduction of a new character so well. So you start out in the last one. I think there were seventy fighters, um, not including DLC characters. 
and you start with a roster of 15, and I think it's your usual core, Zelda Link, Mario, Donkey Kong, Captain Falcon, that sort of thing, and you do certain, some of them are quite esoteric in terms of unlock requirements, so like play for 100 hours. <laughs> and the the nice thing is, is you, there is, it's not like, oh, every single one of them, you just have to complete campaign mode with a certain character and it unlocks another character. So you can be in the middle of a match, just even if it's like a one-on-one with a mate sort of thing, couch uh, couch 1v1, and you can be playing as, I don't know, um, Fox, and then you will hit that 100-hour mark, and when the match ends, whichever one of you is victorious and whoever's like main console is, then has to use that character to fight this new challenger. And I like that because if you're just messing about with a mate and you're like, oh, I won't choose my usual starter of Mario. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to try a new character like Game & Watch or something. And you then have to take on this new challenger that you weren't quite sure was in the game unless you Googled it, which kind of spoils the fun. And then, yeah, you have to take on this new character and the only way you unlock them is to beat them. And it puts that little bit of tension of, oh, I'm not actually used to this character that I'm using. I was doing it for a bit of a laugh. And it puts that little random element in that is nice. I mean, granted, the caveat is that they have released DLC packs for new characters. But outside of patching in characters and giving you more unlock requirements that you may have already met, I don't see a way around it, really. So it's a nice way of adding in new characters that you may have already unlocked everybody else, but the core of Smash Brothers, and I think that's why it's so well-regarded as a series, that, oh, I wonder who I'm going to unlock now. Yeah, that's what I like. It's the same as the wrestling thing. That's what I like about it. I don't like to read up on who's going to be in a game. I like to play it and be surprised. So I remember when I was playing it, and I think like Solid Snake appeared. And I had no idea who's going to be in the game. And it's like, whoa, have they managed to get this license? And I think that's one of the rumors that I didn't put on this list was the whole Sonic and Tails in Melee. And that's why it became so believable, because you do unlock so many characters and they do pull characters in from other franchises. And I think there was also another one that Rayman was in the one on Wii U. So it's it's like an enduring rumor because people know to expect the unexpected with it that you only have to go like if i went to you oh did you see in the new in the new smash brothers that they've put i don't know gregory from gregory horror show in it you'd probably go mm, well that could be true is he lying is yeah. he winding me up because it's that believable that they pull these people in from different franchises that it could happen so yeah i think that is a real credit to smash brothers and that's how i'd prefer games to be i like yeah. to play a game primarily to enjoy the story or to relax or whatever but I like progression as well. And I think unlocks are one of the best forms of progression, especially in a fighter or a, a combat game like that. So, yeah, I think Smash Brothers does it right. And, and the wrestling games could probably do with taking a, a note from them. It's going, right, going right back to a couple of the older ones didn't, but I think No Mercy, which is largely regarded as one of the, the better games, they did it twofold. So they did it where people could approach you in career mode and then you beat them and unlock them. But then they also had a shop where you could buy some of the more well-regarded wrestlers. Like I think Shawn Michaels probably got added to it late. So he was in the shop and you had to pay an absolute fortune for him. And I remember the most expensive item in the game, which again, you wouldn't get away with these days. Uh, there used to be a wrestler called The Godfather. He used to come out with a load of hoes. And one of the hoes was like the highest value unlock in the game. And as kids in the playground, if you'd unlock the hoe, even though she was garbage to use in the matches, <laughs> then you were like the king of the playground because it just showed how long you put into that game. And especially when that glitch was prevalent where it wiped everyone's cartridges after a couple of days. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, if you'd managed to unlock her and, and like proved it to a mate, then yeah, you were king of the playground. So I do miss good unlocks like that. But I think we've probably... I didn't expect us to go an hour on this one. So that's more editing for me. Yay. (laughs) But we will say thank you to our patrons who are listening to this early, hopefully. So they are... And I will do, because it's a patron when I do the full list. We have got in a couple of coins, Lee and Harry Flynn. In the Bucket Kicker, we've got the Sweaty Llama and Ric Flair at present. And in the Avatarnish tier, we've got Atropos. So once again, thank you to you guys 
it really means a lot and we hope you're enjoying these early episodes no idea when this one's going to be coming out because we've got one to go out before this so it depends whether we stick to the monthly schedule or we start putting these out a little bit more frequently but i don't think we've dated ourselves in it so for all you know we recorded it yesterday (laughs) and we did (laughs) and i don't think we've got anything else to cover unless there's anything you want to mention outside of glitches and glitches and cheats and easter eggs and whatnot so and harking back to the good old days yeah i mean Um, that's we we may as well rename this podcast the good old days because that's all we ever talk about but there are things i'm sure we'll do an episode soon about the things we do like about the modern era because like you said being able to release new characters for a couple of quid that prolong the length of a game is not a bad thing as long as it's not if it's one of those where they're in the game and then they just gouge you for more money i have a real issue with but if it's ones where they've actually put effort in to develop it post-release and they release it out to you i think that's a really good thing i mean they're pushing it with mario kart 8 uh (laughs) they're really milking that one to death but yeah, I don't think that's a bad thing. So I'm sure we'll do one at some point where we discuss the things we do like about online consoles and gaming and how they're better than it was back in the day when for game release with a game-breaking bug, you just had to live with it or post your game back to the developer if you were lucky and they'd send you a fresh copy out. Much like No Mercy, they did a did a complete recall of those and replaced them with ones with where the glitch where it didn't wipe anything was in it. And I remember one of my mates going into town and having to take it into like Electronics Boutique and then they gave him a new copy of it. So there were ways around it, but a lot of developers just head in the sand, wasn't it? And yeah. no, nope, we're not fixing it, just put up with it and we might do another version <laughs> of it at some point. So yeah, I think that's a, that rounds this one off. Hopefully you've all enjoyed it. If you're listening on Spotify or what we got, Amazon Music, all those different types of platforms. Merry Christmas, because it's probably going to be about then when this is finally coming out uh, (laughs) for you guys. But that's your own fault, because you could have gone to Patreon and listened to it a lot earlier. So think on, is is all I'll say. (laughs) And yeah, that's uh, goodbye from me. And that's goodbye from me. (laughs) 